G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Uh, to introduce our primary guest for the hour, uh, let me just say Carl Fays is the champion of the Daily Nudge and uh, many listeners will be familiar with Carl Fays, radio and television personality, social commentator, these days the CEO of Olive Tree Media, uh, formerly the pastor of uh, the large Gymea Baptist Church in Sydney and uh, you might be familiar with lots of different teaching series uh, that we've spoken to Carl about in previous times, series like Beyond or Towards Belief and, uh, and one called the Men's Series. Let's welcome our special guest this hour, Carl Fays. Hello, Carl. Welcome along to 2020. Uh, Neil, it's great to have you with you. Just to be with you, just to shame my voice is uh, not so good today. Well, I'm sure people will recognise the sentiments, if not the tone of your voice today, Carl. <laughs> I know you've, you, Neil. you've just got in from uh, a visit to the United States, flew in from LA on the weekend. Uh, you must have caught some sort of a bug, uh, yes. but uh, valuable time away. Yes, we're at uh, the National Religious Broadcasters Convention, which is held each year at Nashville. Um, and uh, so Towards Belief, uh, we were talking to people around the world uh, about Towards Belief, and it's being broadcast and distributed. And we also found out today we actually won two second prizes in key international awards with Towards Belief. So we're very excited about that because it's a fantastic series. Well, congratulations. It's great to be able to hear of uh, you know recognition for such great programs that you've been putting together of recent times. Uh, let's talk about this topic which we want to discuss today and we want to invite listeners to be a part of, Carl, and that is uh, what's happening with the volatility of political leadership in Australia. Why is it you think that political leadership is so difficult at the moment? Well, it's, a, it's an interesting question because you've you got to ask, Neil, is it, so is it the people who are in leadership at the moment, you know, whether it was Rudd and Gillard or, or you know, the moment, um, you know, this week and last week, Tony Abbott, or, or is it the kind of environment in which they function? And you'd have to suggest that the environment in which political leaders function at the moment is a very volatile and difficult environment. I mean, social media, the explosion of social media, and, and even even one part of it, like Twitter, there, in fact, uh, somebody had suggest, suggested the volatility in some of the political processes almost lined up with some of these changes in social media. And that feeds into the 24-hour news cycle. And, and all of that means that everything is kind of the volume is turned up on everything. So every mistake, every wrong step, every um, not-kept promise, as it were, is not just on mainstream media, and you have to watch mainstream media to get that information, but it's on all media in everybody's pocket all the time. And that just means that it is an incredibly difficult environment for, for political leaders to function in. 
Well, is this illustrative of what's happening at the present time where there's all of this agitation that's going on and perhaps through social media and uh, every other avenue that is available in this modern context uh, to actually uh, just bring uh, what is, uh, you know, expected that people were talking about an expectation that there might be some sort of new leadership spill this week. But uh, that looks less and less likely because it doesn't seem that there is any specific contender with their hand up. It's just a matter of someone driving this from a particular point to actually just create agita- agitation. So this this whole ability we have now to just agitate whenever we want to seems to be a major issue. Yeah, I think the other the other thing that I hadn't mentioned in those the, the earlier points was was really the other driver is the polls. And while every political leader every time their polls don't look good says the same thing, the only poll that matters is the election, you, you get the impression that they watch them like a hawk. Now, the big change this morning from last week, the week before, is in fact the polls have swung back the other way. So that uh, right now, this morning, the Ipsos poll that the uh, Fairfax media uh, uh, use is actually saying that uh, the difference now is 51-49, where it was uh, 40 or 56-44 or something last week or the week before. So it, it seems there'll be this week, uh, and while that poll stays like that or continues to move, that there'll be no... Uh, stomach for any sort of change, I don't think. So polls actually drive these changes as well. But I think it would be wrong of us to suggest, Neil, that the only issue is kind of out there in the community as if there's nothing going wrong in the political process. I mean, one of the big issues in leadership and political leadership has, which has come up over the last couple of years, probably two, is trust and arrogance. Now, it would seem like when it comes to trust, um, Julia Gillard really fell under that. Uh, and now the same thing is happening at, with Tony Abbott. You know, they say one thing before the election and, uh, and something different happens after the election. And, and these days, as we said, social media turns the volume up on those changes of mind and lack of trust and in, in seemingly integrity. I think the other thing which it seems, while I'm not a Queenslander and haven't lived through Queensland, you know, the, new, the change in government there was absolutely incredible when you think of, you know, the enormous swings. And it seems like the problem for the Newman government was one of arrogance. You know, we've been voted in, we've got uh, the right to do whatever we like, and they didn't take the electorate with them. And the next election, just a few years later, the swing has them out when you could have put the Labor Party. I think there's a joke about the Labor Party meeting. Caucus could have happened in a Tarago van. (laughs) And now now the government again. So that's just amazing. So arrogance and trust are two very key issues around the political process at the moment. Well, wanting to invite our listeners to be a part of our conversation. Arrogance and trust. You've heard those words from Carl Fays as a social commentator talking on the issues at the top levels of our political parties. Why don't you make your uh, thoughts known? 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open. Your thoughts on what's happening at the top of our political parties, uh, the Prime Minister. It seems to me, uh, Carl, as as you look at the Labor Party, perhaps the Labor Party is a little bit uh, forward in their thinking in changing the way they're electing their leaders. And uh, people might have some impressions about uh, Bill Shorten and the way that he's sort of shored up his uh, leadership from these sorts of challenges because they've got a process in involved if there's going to be any sort of change. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it does mean making a change is much more difficult than everybody like the, well, that we saw the spectre of the Liberal Party, where you know people will walk into a room and 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 uh, vote for a spill, and, and we change the Prime Minister of the country from an internal process. Mind you, we're not a presidential system; we're a Westminster Westminster system, which means that we have, we vote a party in, as it were, through through the representative process, and the party chooses. The, the head. It's not a presidential American system. So, you know, the Liberal Party in its processes actually reflects the Westminster system that, that we function under. But, um, yeah, it does mean that changing a leader in the Labor Party is a pretty tedious process now, doesn't it? It does. That's right. And so people are not likely to go along the lines of uh, agitation, as we might have seen on this conservative side of politics uh, on the Labor side. Yeah, and it doesn't take much, does it? I mean, you just a few people, uh, you know, leaking stuff, leaking stories to the media, and we've seen the sort of damage that that can do to a leader when confidential cabinet or caucus discussions are leaked to the media, and uh, and and that looks looks terrible. I mean, the, the leak uh, that uh, that Abbott was going to send troops into Iraq, I think it was, um, you know, that, that kind of leak is incredibly damaging. So just a few people with little pieces of information can make an enormous difference. Carl, inviting listeners to be part of the conversation and there might be some comments listeners might like to make when it comes to these leadership crises that mm. we're seeing in the political sphere and does that actually carry over in to church leadership, are there any lessons to be learned uh, in general from uh, these things that are happening in politics, or is or is uh, the uh, headship of the uh, Liberal National Party or the Labor Party are these things just a world on their own, Carl? <laughs> That's such an interesting question, isn't it, Neil? It depends. There's, it depends a little bit on the denominational background that you're in in the process of how you become a leader. Um, you know, you, if you're an Anglican leader, you don't get voted in, as it were, from the people. You uh, you get selected by a small group, a nominating committee, and the, the bishop has some say, depending on the diocese around the, around the country. Uh, Baptist churches, I spent all my time in a Baptist church, and uh, you, if you're unpopular with enough people in the church, uh, they can take a democratic process, uh, believing they're led by God, to remove you from that position. So there's the sort of how you get the role and the different ways people are, are in those leadership roles. Uh, and one would suggest that political leadership and local church leadership ought to be very, very different. And I guess that it is. But then there's some fairly key lessons, isn't there? I mean, that lesson about trust. If It doesn't matter who you lead. If you don't have trust, if they don't see you as a person of integrity, if they perceive you as being arrogant, then people won't follow wherever you're trying to lead them. And it, whether they can remove you through a democratic vote or whether you're there for life... The, the question about leadership is, is not the position that you hold, is where you actually lead people. And if you have no ability, if you have no trust, if there's little integrity, if, they don't, if they're not sure where you're going or that you care, then nobody's going to follow where you lead them. And I think that's, while politics and church are very different, not always as different as they should be, there's some basics about why people follow you that will speak into the life of every organisation and especially local churches. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. 
Good to have you with us on this Monday edition of 2020. We're talking through issues of leadership again today. And, of course, with all of the agitation that's been going over the weekend, you might have your own thoughts on what's happening in leadership in Australia, particularly when it comes to uh, the challenges to the Prime Minister. Uh, the number to call, 1-800-316-316. And you can be a part of our conversation. Carl Fays is our guest, social commentator, the CEO of Olive Tree Media. Carl, let let me just pick up on a few issues that have come out of our uh, introduction in what we're talking about today. Uh, and this comes to the character of the leader. What sort of things are missing in the character of our uh, national leaders and, and what would make up a good character for a leader to, to lead a nation? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to actually talk, talk not so much about character, but also characteristics. I think one of the issues, Neil, that you often hear... Tony Abbott has come out and said over the last couple of weeks, I want you to know that I'm listening, I'm listening to everybody, I'm listening to the caucus, I'm listening to the people. And, and all, of that, all of that issue around listening actually kind of points to this issue, the balance between listening and leading. Because I think that actually kind of comes to the characteristic of leadership that people want to see. There's a, little, there's a few little phrases. One says, I don't care how much you know until I know how much you care, which is this whole idea of, that people want to know that you're listening to them, that you care about where they stand and you care about their lives. And, and I think the problem for the Newman government, and perhaps with, with Tony Abbott and his government, is that there was a sense that they didn't care, they didn't listen, they weren't, they weren't there for the people that voted them in. Although Peter Costello actually made a joke. Uh, it's, he's quoting somebody else, but he said, you know, politics is a bit like the leader saying, look, the people are all going over there, I must run and catch up because I'm their leader, <laughs> which, is, which, is, which is a bit of an odd thing That's to right. say, which is this whole idea that we're following the polls, we're following the people, we're trying to work out where the people are going, then pretend to be their leader by reflecting their mindset. So that's where the balance between listening and leading comes in, because you actually need to lead people somewhere. That's the whole idea about having vision, about here we are here, there's a better world over there, let's help move people from here to there and now doing that in a church is actually challenging in and of itself doing that in a nation starts to feel like it's almost impossible so you have to listen to where people are so that they know that you connect with them but you have to have a clear idea of where you want to go and the tension is not just kind of being a popularist to follow every kind of latest trend and say i'm with you i'm with you i'm with you because if you do that we won't ever get any change. All we'll ever do is reflect where people are at the moment. But, but in bringing change, you have, to, you have to hear, you have to be listened, you have to know, people have to know you care, but you have to have a clear idea of where you want to go. And that's that whole idea of casting vision and taking people with you. If I could just comment, you know, that um, uh, Deloitte Access, which is an economics kind of group in Australia, that Chris Richardson is the, one of the key economists, and people will know that name from the news. I mean, he said that one of the big challenges in Australia at the moment is that good policy, good ideas, good policy, and good government uh, seems to be, or popular government, seems to be heading in diametrically opposite directions at the moment. In other words, the policy we need as a nation is going in another direction for what people actually want. And that's where the listening and leading tension becomes incredibly difficult because what people want 
is not what's going to serve us well as a nation. So here's where the kind of tension sits in leadership. Well, we're inviting listeners to be part of our conversation today. A lot of great stuff that you might like to comment on there. Carl Fays, our guest, social commentator, the CEO of Olive Tree Media. We are talking about the volatility in our political leadership today. Let's hear from Trevor, who is in Brisbane. Trevor, welcome along to 2020. What's your input into our conversation? Yeah, mate, um, pretty short, but um, I love the station and I love to hear, and it's nice to hear Carl's voice, or what, what left of his voice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trevor. Yep, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts on our conversation about political and even other forms of leadership? Yeah, mate, I think you're spot on, um, absolutely. Um, it's just a shame, um, and one of the things I picked up on is the way I feel, um, is the trust that we have in politicians today. Naturally, I vote for a particular party, but the thing is, even that party I can't always uh, trust in. And, 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 you know, I just feel that, uh, and you say it's a very hard thing uh, between having your plan that you must have uh, and listening to the public, and in some cases uh, the public don't want to send us in the right direction, you know, direction, the community at large. Um, and I accept all of that, but I just think it's a sad thing that we can't trust the politicians enough. There's too much of the infighting themselves, within themselves, their own party, and that is a sad thing. Um, you know, in simple terms, we vote for a person, and that's the person that should, if they win, that's the person that we think, I think anyway, should stay there until end of term. Um, as you say, it's not quite like the presidential uh, situation like is it in America, but that's that's my belief. Um, and, um, you know, maybe then that we wouldn't have so much backbiting and these guys could get on to the real business of governing our country. OK, Trevor, let's uh, let's hear some thoughts from Carl on what Trevor's sharing there. What are your thoughts, Carl? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, Trevor's, Trevor's points are... Uh, 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 are clear and right, and I, and I think one of the problems, for, for, as Trevor was saying, is that if we vote for a person, then we vote for them to stay. And I understand, you know, we've already talked about the difference between the the, uh, the U.S. presidential system and our Westminster system. But the other thing that people are very upset about is that when we vote, we don't just vote for a person; we actually vote for their ideas and we vote for their policies. And what Trevor and and I think most Australians get upset about is is that when we vote for someone, we actually vote for the ideas and policies that they put up in the election campaign. And when you find that you're dealing with a different set of policies three months or six months later, that's where the trust is broken. Uh, and and I think that's the difficulty, both in the, the popularist process of getting yourself elected, but it, it's just not going to work anymore to get on to say one thing in the election campaign and then another thing when you become the government, because that's what underpins trust. We want the same person to be in, but we want them to unfold the policies that they committed to. Trevor from Brisbane, great to have your input today here on 2020. Thanks so much for being with us. We'll continue our conversation in just a few moments. You might like to be a contributor yourself. The talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Carl Fays, our guest, social commentator, the CEO of Olive Tree Media. And uh, in just a few moments, uh, we'll go to the word for today. But I also want to introduce someone else into our conversation. 
uh, Carl, and uh, you'll be familiar with Tony McLennan. Tony is the CEO of the Bible League, and this week we're running a special campaign called Bringing Hope Behind Bars. And uh, we're going to invite Tony into our conversation too. Tony was 25 years as a management consultant, and so therefore dealing with issues of leadership, and he'll have some insights to bring when it comes to leadership. Uh, Just uh, introducing uh, Tony. Hi, Tony. Welcome along. Uh, thank you very much, Neil. It's a pleasure to be with you on the program. Tony, you've been listening to the conversation so far, and uh, we've been focusing on the uh, the top level of our political parties, our prime ministerial leadership. Uh, do these sorts of principles of uh, characteristics and the character of the leader, they hang over into all sorts of different areas of leadership, whether it be industry or whether it be Christian ministries or churches? Uh, these things are, there are a lot of these characteristics in common. Indeed they are, and uh, I would go right along with Carl Fays and his uh, assessment about the whole role of trust in a leadership role. And, uh, of course, the thing that undergirds trust is integrity. The characteristic of a leader has to be that of one of integrity, not sort of speaking out of both corners of his mouth at the same time. And and although I think that our current Prime Minister had to make a decision about his um, one or two of his policies in this current um, environment, I think it probably can be justified and they've become side issues in, in, in the midst of a whole lot of the attacks that have been on his person. Uh, Carl Fays, just before we go to the word for today, when we talk about this issue of integrity, integrity begins early in our lives and as we get older and we assume positions of responsibility, uh, those things that we have held to uh, in righteousness and the integrity of our lives actually pay dividends when we take on leadership roles later. Uh, absolutely. One of the pieces of advice that you know I've heard given to parents a lot about parenting your children, which is mean what you say and say what you mean. And, uh, and it's not a bad advice for parenting, but it's not a bad advice for leadership. And, and when you, the trouble with being a leader often is that you want to be popular and you want to be liked and, and you want people to like you as a leader. And there's this kind of um, subtle pressure to kind of tell people what they want to hear. And I wouldn't want to sit on your program alongside of Tony and sort of suggest that I've never done that. I think there are times I've looked back and I've thought, wow, that, that probably wasn't as... I'm not saying I lied, but it wasn't as honest as it could have been. And, and it's, it, there's a lot of kind of personal confidence and integrity to say to somebody, here's what I mean and here's what I think, knowing that they're not going to like it. And I don't mean being rude and obnoxious. That's another issue altogether. But integrity is about, it's, you know, it's, integrity is easy when you know people like what you're saying. Integrity is difficult when you know people dislike the very things that you stand for. We are talking about leadership this hour. You can be a part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Carl Fays, our guest, social commentator, also the champion of the Daily Nudge. You might listen to the Daily Nudge here on Vision. You can be a part of our conversation today, uh, simply 1-800-316-316 to give us a call. We're also joined by Tony McLennan, who's the CEO of Bible League Australia, and we've been talking about the Bringing Hope Behind Bars campaign and uh, Tony's with us too and uh, we'll have some comments given that we're talking about leadership and Tony, 25 years as a management consultant dealing with leadership issues continually. Uh, Let's take another call. Uh, This call coming from uh, John in Petrie. Hello, John. Welcome along to 2020. John, what's your contribution to our conversation this hour? John in Petrie? Uh, We might have to take... John, are you with us? 
Yeah, I've got you now, mate. Okay, John, what's your contribution to our conversation? Oh, look, Neil, and uh, good on you, Carl. I, I love listening to the Daily Nudge, and that's probably what's nudged me to call again. But after watching the Kev Julia debacle, um, you know, who's actually policing our government? You know, I, I looked at the dictionary this morning and found a sedition. It's it's incitement of discontent or rebellion against the government. And, you know, uh, Turnbull and, and maybe his cohorts should be charged with uh, 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 sedition or heresy. You know, it's it's a doctrine contrary to the Orthodox Liberal Party, which is a, a religious system, and um, treason, you know, violation by subjects of his allegiance to the sovereignty of the state. So, you know, destabilising our government after after seeing the problems that we've had and uh, the, the financial crisis that we're in, you know, why are we paying these politicians who have time to to uh, uh, destabilise instead of looking after the, the portfolio and uh, uh, giving their constituents value for money. Okay, John, so let's they... uh, let's have a, a few thoughts from Carl. Carl, uh, there's some pretty strong things John's been saying. Good on you, John. Great to hear from you, and uh, thanks for, for your contribution. I think the great thing about the Australian process is even if, let's just say that Malcolm Turnbull replaces Tony Abbott, which, which uh, I'm not sure will happen, but let's just say it happened. Whether we like that or not, you know, in, a, in about 18 months' time, everyone will get an opportunity to vote. And I think that's the difference between places where sedition and treason happen. I mean, the, the, the political process with Rudd and, and Gillard meant that it still went back to the Australian people, and in the end, the Australian people still had the opportunity to vote. And, and whatever changes the Liberal Party do or don't make, it will st- always come back to the Australian people, and the Australian people will always have the, the process of voting. Now, your point about our, poli- our polix- politics, policies, and the debt of our nation and where our economic situation is, that's incredibly difficult. And I think that's why I quoted Chris Richardson before, that the direction of our policy, which is popular with people is almost the opposite direction to what the, the choices that we need to make. And, and it's, it's a tough time. It's a tough time to be in politics. It's a tough time to lead our nation. But unless we start making some of the choices, and a lot of people are saying this, unless we start making some hard choices, the future for our children and grandchildren is not going to be particularly good. In fact, as they talk about, you know, we're setting up debt for our future generations. Now, unless politicians can make some trick some hard choices our future doesn't look too good but if they make hard choices they have to communicate them clearly and i think that's the mistake at the moment for the present government john from petrie thanks so much for your input today here on 2020 let's hear from trish in Mackay. hello trish welcome along what's your contribution well i'm i'm a very simple woman um and i'm really don't like to see what's happening in the government at the moment. I do believe that, as as uh, the gentleman said before, there are hard choices, and I do agree with him that that is the problem. But uh, we're up North Queensland, and when our representative goes to Parliament, and I've seen him twice, at least twice, on the television, and he's speaking passionately for Mackay, and there don't seem to be very many people with him. There are not very many people listening to him and there's certainly not very many people they're just not there. Do they have then a, a podcast that they follow? 
Okay, let's hear from Carl. Uh, it seems to be that uh, while all of the leadership tensions continue to maintain uh, their prominence in the headlines, uh, the local members are not really cutting through to their electorate. Is that what you? I think that's what uh, Trish is sort of saying. Yeah, it's very interesting, Trish, because in, I live in the area in Miranda in the southern shire of Sydney. In fact, my local member um, is Scott Morrison. Now, at the state election, just very quickly, the state election um, recently, the Labor Party were thrown out the last election and we had a new member. That new member was a Liberal member. He then decided, Graham Annesley, to take the role with the Gold Coast Titans. I, I'm sure a role that he regrets taking about this week. But anyway, putting that aside, at, at the by-election, a very short time after the original election, the local member who used to be the local member before him put his name up, and he's very, very popular. There was a 25% swing back to the Labor Party, not because they all love the Labor Party, but they loved the local member. And there is, a pol- there is a something that said that all politics is local politics, so that people love their local um, their local representative and so the local person needs to represent their area but when it comes like you know Mackay or the Sutherland Shire or anywhere else across the listening audience that are listening to us today you've got to try and get that message across in the midst of a national agenda and that balance is incredibly difficult and while I'm with Trish that uh, you want to see your local area looked after and your local member listened to. But in, when, in the noise of the national scene, not everybody can get what they want locally, and that's really challenging. Trish from Mackay, thank you so much for being part of 2020 today. Uh, our talkback line open 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to have your say. Uh, let me just move on for a moment and uh, include Tony McLennan in our conversation too. But Carl, what does, as a Christian, uh, the Bible have to contribute to our understanding of good leadership and what uh, good leadership should look like? Well, it's really interesting that people would probably would not realize that the Bible and the teaching of Jesus actually changed leadership to what we see as leadership. I mean, Jesus stepped into the Greco-Roman world where the, uh, the aristocrats and the, the, the wealthy and the leading people had control. The Caesars of the Roman Empire, they were seen as gods. They were seen as another group of people. And, and basically, nobody else had rights. You know, a high percentage of the people were slaves. They didn't have any democratic rights, and their job was to serve the leaders. Jesus came along and said, I did not come to be served. I came to serve. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And there's this whole Jesus turned leadership as it was known in the Greco-Roman world on its head. As John Dixon has written in his little book, Humilitas, Humility was not seen as a virtue in Jesus' day. It was seen as a vice, a personal weakness. Jesus came along and said, uh, well, Paul talks about Jesus in his letter to the Philippian church and says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Well, he said that in the letter to the Romans, but think of yourself with sober judgment. In the, in the book to the Philippians, he actually talks about, you know, put other people before yourself. Now, we hear that now, and we go, well, that's normal. Everybody thinks that. Well, they might now, but they didn't then. So that Jesus, the teaching of the early church, the teaching of Paul, actually shifted leadership and actually helped leaders start to see themselves 
as servants for the community. And that find, has found itself right into our broader community in the way we think of leadership and even politics, which at its best is about serving the community, not being in power. That's what we feel in our community is, is at its best. And that's the teaching of Jesus. Tony McLennan is with us, the CEO of the Bible League. Tony, you are one of the great champions in Australia of this book, The Bible. And you can see the effects that the Bible has uh, in not only people's lives individually and uh, in churches, in communities, in cities, in states, in nations, in fact, uh, nations around the world impacted by this book. Uh, the sorts of things that Carl's sharing, the things that people have been talking about, this impact of this Bible, just an incredible power pack uh, that actually does transform nations. Yeah, and often taken for granted, I'm afraid, Neil. Um, you know, I'd, I'd go along with Carl and talk about this tremendous upending of the whole roles of social uh, the social mores and, and social relationships had in the Greco-Roman era, particularly the Roman period of time. And, and in that book, Humilitas, that he referred to by John Dixon, there's a whole page dedicated by Augustus to telling us how wonderful he, he is or how, how wonderful he was. I don't know if you read that. It's quite, it's, it, it almost sort of really, doesn't it, Carl? It goes right against yeah. the grain when you read it in today's yeah. flavor. If any, <laughs> if any modern-day leader got up and said that, we'd, we'd sort of throw pies or shoes at him or something like that. Yes, indeed, we, you know, because it's a fair go for all and it's a sense yep. of egalitarianism that is, yep. has been the, the standard that's come in from our Christian heritage. And Christianity is all about leadership. Christianity mm. has led people out of darkness and into light. Christianity is just, you know, from the Protestant Reformation onwards particularly, we see all of those inventions, we see the upheaval of society, we see the change of governments, we see the, the whole era of uh, change in the way that England was was run and then how Scotland came into the picture and so as we as we look at the effects of that and then the overflow into the United States and Canada and the English speaking peoples having a prominence and I'm not saying this is uh, in some sort of weird doctrinal way but having a prominence that you would normally not credit them to have has been largely because the carriage of the Bible has been given greater strength through people in Northern Europe and then you just look at the way Northern Europe has evolved over that period of time and see the freedoms that have abounded there and and contrasted that with the rest of the world. So uh, we have a simple statement in Bible League that wherever the Bible goes, people's lifestyle and people's living standards and people's existence goes up. And wherever it's refused or wherever it's de- you know, demeaned or, or it's uh, banned or forbidden, you get the likes of uh, North Korea or Iran or something like that, countries that aren't favorite tourist destinations. So what comes across there is the power of the Word of God to transform everyone. And one of the things we can look in terms of our, our current prime minister is that it seems to me from things that he said and the way he behaves that he does stand for godly virtues, godly ideals. And in fact, uh, I've just got a Facebook entry, Carl, that's going crazy at the moment that yep. a friend of mine sent on. And we love you, Tony Abbott. We love that you say no to same-sex marriages, uh, the abortion, terrorism, the stupidity of the benefit of a doubt. Now, I'm not necessarily agreeing with all of those statements that are said therein, but what we're trying, to, people are trying to get across is that people inherently know, because of our Christian heritage, what is right and what is wrong. And they want a leader to do the right thing. And constantly we see that, that desire for truth coming out amongst people. And the source of that, of course, is our Christian heritage. And the, and the courage for that has come from the Bible. Let me ask the two of you gentlemen about the idea of uh, some level of conspiracy here. Because as you read that, Tony, and uh, as we see the positioning of Malcolm Turnbull 
uh, in the uh, political leadership there of the uh, Liberal National Party, uh, there would be some who have come out with the idea that there is some sort of conspiracy, either from climate change people who say, in order to actually get our climate change agenda uh, through in a different way, we have to remove Tony Abbott and we have to put Malcolm Turnbull in there. Now, it's quite clear, too, that Malcolm Turnbull holds a position on same-sex marriage that appears not to be the position held by Tony Abbott. There's this idea of a conspiracy that says, if we can get Tony Abbott out of the way, we can get this whole agenda through. What drives these agitations? I wonder if there is any relevance to the idea that there may be those conspiracies. Your thoughts first, Carl? Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think whether it's a conspiracy or not, I'm I'm not tend not to be a huge fan of conspiracy theories, but I would say this. They keep going to the polls and and they'll say in the polls that Malcolm Turnbull is more popular across Australia than Tony Abbott. What they don't tell you is that Malcolm, that Tony Abbott is much more popular with Liberal voters than Malcolm Turnbull. So in other words, Malcolm Turnbull is very popular with a whole bunch of people who will never vote for the Liberal Party. And that's one of the things I think that the press don't tend to talk about, but the Liberal Party leadership is very cognizant of. It's all very well to say that Malcolm Turnbull is popular, but he's not actually popular with their voting base. And he's not popular for the very reasons that you've said. He doesn't actually stand for what, the, what conservatives would say. So, I mean, I think there is, there is a push for Malcolm Turnbull, but basically a push because a bunch of people like him who will never vote for him anyway, which would be a bit, you shoot yourself in the foot to put him, put him in when, mm. when all the people that want him don't actually vote for him. Now, there is a question about how many swinging voters there is, and that's another huge issue. As an aside, and I'll allow Tony to speak as well, I actually think, um, this is just looking from a distance, I think that Malcolm Turnbull, for all it's said, has seemed to me to handle himself incredibly well through this whole process. If you compare what he's done to the way that, that from the press, uh, uh, that Kevin Rudd seemed, seemed to um, behave in, in his time of agitation, uh, Turnbull has never been quoted. It seems that he hasn't pushed, and it seems that he's not lobbying. And that seems to me to, to demonstrate a, a level of maturity, which is really helpful. Your thoughts, Tony McLennan? Well, I'd have to uh, say that you know, when you observe it, what you're seeing in the media, and of course... Carl, you're an expert in, on media, is they, the uh, leftist side or the leftist argument is being put very, very strongly through constantly journalists interviewing journalists. They're, they're really a very hard, having a very hard time finding someone who will come from one camp or another uh, to make a comment. The Liberal Party has very properly closed ranks on this and are keeping their counsel to themselves. And uh, so we've only got Bill Shorten throwing in a few words here and there and, uh, and polls being dredged up and articles being run out and either evident lies or certainly unconfirmable statements being made in papers about how someone has said this and someone has said that. And when you look at the issues that are surrounding the uh, destabilisation uh, related to, to uh, Tony Abbott, what, what I, I can see is that there is a concerted campaign that doesn't seem to be abating. It just, they keep trying to drudge up one thing. Have you, did you see that uh, very clever bit of photographic work, Carl, where um, Tony Abbott was sitting in the back seat of, a, of a, one of those um, staff cars and uh, Nicola Credman's uh, face was caught winking at him? Did you, did you see that one? Yes. Yeah, very contrived, you see. And so that's, that's where the media can manipulate people into thinking that certain agenda is going on way or she was shaking her finger at someone so that 
Uh, not Nicola, uh, but rather Peter. 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 Yeah, and uh, my point is there, that's that's a manipulation of what people are thinking. And that that's, it, it doesn't necessarily display a conspiracy, but certainly a concerted campaign from the left. It's Neil with you on 2020. We're talking politics this hour and particularly the challenges to the Prime Minister's leadership. Carl Fays is with us, social commentator, and Tony McLennan, the CEO of the Bible League in Australia. Uh, we're talking through these issues. Uh, Carl, when we talk about uh, leadership, you were the senior pastor of a large church by Australian standards, the Gaimia Baptist Church. Uh, what were the challenges in leadership in that role and what does it sort of say to us about uh, the leadership things that we might be seeing in uh, federal politics? Well, I think one of the things about leading a local church, which actually has a little bit to do with politics, is that you're actually dealing with volunteers. You know, you're not just dealing with staff. You don't pay them to be there. And you have to give them a really good reason to be involved with whatever idea, vision or direction that you want. And some sort of way, politics is a bit like that. You know, they're not, they're not staff. And so, you, so selling, which is an awful word, but let me use it anyway, selling or being clear about vision is really important. And so, you know, if you want somebody to turn up every week to church, not just to come, but to run the kids' ministry or be involved in music or serve at the door or set up tables or whatever, they have to have a bigger reason out of just, well, I'm, I'm here because you're our leader. And there's that idea of a passion for the, for the gospel that t- Tony talked about, a commitment to this group of people, a sense that we're going somewhere, or, and, and that people care about who I am. So there's all of that wrapped up in leading a church. And the large, larger the church, the more complex it is. And so you have, to get, you have to get good at passing on vision, working with volunteers, giving passion to groups of people. And if I can just add one other thing. You know, I, I, I read this in a, in, a, in a book that I've I'd already thought about it, but this particular book was about people in politics. And it, it said um, one of these points was, um, don't take it personally. It's not just about you. And I think it's a, it's a really good piece of advice. Anybody in leadership at any level, in the workplace, in politics or the local church, don't take everything to heart. Don't take everything personally. Because when you take everything personally and you take criticism personally, it can really break you as a person. And you've got to just, you've got to kind of let some things wash past you. Just move on. Just, mm. if you take everything personally, everything to heart, it's, it becomes a very debilitating and difficult process. Tony McLennan uh, from uh, the Bible League, uh, you're used to all of this. Uh, you've got to have a thick skin. You can't be too thin-skinned. Uh, there are critics of people who distribute Bibles like you do and working with the persecuted church around the world, uh, all sorts of things that you've got to be very courageous uh, to be involved in uh, when it comes to these issues of leadership. Uh, you're right in the middle of these leadership uh, challenges to rise up above these thin-skinned ideas and actually you know, take some things on the chin but keep on rolling forward and keep on with the strategy, yes, indeed, and the you know the, the, the of the sevenfold spirit of God, one of the characteristics that God puts into our hearts is fortitude or courage, which is absolutely one of the essential agreements uh, ingredients of being a leader. Christianity, as I said earlier, is all about leadership, leading people out of darkness into light, and and uh, it's a God given mission. And Jesus stuck to his God given mission. He could have been swayed by different people. Of course, it was impossible for him to be swayed because he was right on on the direction that his father had given him, but he stuck to that agenda you know, through thick and thin. And that's his, you know, he is our example. And of course, you know, what Paul said about our current leaders, that we should pray for those in authority because they, the government is given to us by God. And therefore we as Australian people should be supporting our government, praying for them and 
and uh, being cooperative wherever we can to ensure that the good that we stand for and the good we want to see fulfilled actually is fulfilled. Coming up to the news, uh, just a short while away, uh, Carl Fays, let's just come back to those uh, characteristics, as we mentioned, of a leader. Uh, for Christian listeners to our conversation today and looking at things that are happening politically, looking at things happening in the local church, uh, how do we actually get a good discernment of uh, what those characteristics are in individuals? Very quick response. I, like, I think it's, it's about integrity and trust. It's about being who God made you and called you to be. Mm. It's about having the courage that Tony t- just talked about to stand for what you believe. And, uh, and it's about believing that your role is to serve people and that your role is to kind of open the opportunities up for them, not get them to do what you want. And uh, Tony, any last words? I would just add uh, initiative and imagination to those. Yeah. In fact, uh, Carl talked about the integrity, innovation and interest in people that a leader must have, but to have a broad sphere of influence, interest, uh, initiative and imagination. And I'm sure Carl in his exercise of Gaimea Baptist Church uh, would have actually provided plenty of that over over the years that he was there. Leadership is leadership, and these characteristics that we talk about in church life, and as someone described to me uh, some years ago, uh, church leadership is like the fourth tier of government. Uh, there is a sense in which the leadership principles that are a part of uh, our Christian uh, leadership uh, also need to overflow into our national leadership, even to the top, top highest levels of politics. Carl Fays uh, from Olive Tree Media and Tony McLennan from the Bible League. Thanks so much for being with us today here on 2020. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts, or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.